Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. Being able to communicate with your customers in the right way and at the right moment are how the best SaaS companies improve customer experience, decrease churn, and increase their revenue. My friends at Customerly have created an affordable solution to let you have full control of your customer service, automate your onboarding process, and create genuine and lasting relationships with your clients. Now, I already mentioned it's super affordable, but I was able to do even better for my listeners. If you go to customerly.io and use Founder Views, you'll get 20% off any plan of your choice. That's customerly.io. Use code FOUNDERVIEWS at checkout and get 20% off any plan. Make the move today. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm speaking with Amar Ghost in this episode. Amar is the CEO of ZenMade, a scheduling management software that helps cleaning and maid services be more efficient and organized. This was a really fun chat. Amar has built himself a very nice high margin company. They're fully remote, fully bootstrapped, and are set to cross over 1.5 million in annual recurring revenue this year. Uh, I'm pretty envious of Amar's lifestyle. He's pretty much a full-time traveler along with his wife. Um, We dive into how Amar grew the company to what it is today. Uh, I love his story because it's all about persistence, consistency, and staying hungry. Uh, Amar reminds us how business is truly a marathon and not a sprint. He shares how the first several years were spent cold calling to get the first handful of clients and how it was a very slow grind. They were only growing at about $300 in MRR per month for the first three years. But that persistence and dedication have certainly paid off. ZenMate is growing significantly. They're growing their team. And in this episode, we're talking about how ZenMate has become the market leader for maid services in the world. So enough of the intro. Here's my chat with Amar Ghost. All right, Amar, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. Amazing. So, so you run ZenMade. Uh, it's a scheduling software that helps cleaners and maid services. Um, little story here. I have to admit that the maid service is something that's, that's kind of uh, near and dear to me. So when I was 18 years old in university, I remember sitting on my computer one night, you know, broke student thinking, damn, like, you know, I'm broke. I need some money. And this random idea just popped into my head to, to broker cleaning services essentially. So, so what I did was I post, uh, posted ads on Kijiji. I don't know if you know what Kijiji is, but it's basically like a, a Craigslist in Canada. Okay. Um, for cleaners and maids. So I had a massive list of cleaners on standby, ready to go. Then I posted separate ads for cleaning services to homes and businesses so I'd get a bunch of cleaning jobs. I would go down the list of my cleaners, see who could do the job. I would charge the client like $30 an hour, pay the cleaner $20 an hour cash. So I would pocket 10. So like, I did this for like a few months. 
uh, literally just for like lunch money and like to go out <laughs> during school. So uh, it didn't last too long, but uh, you know, I, I've always just loved the cleaning business in general. It's a, it's a solid business, not going anywhere. So I love what you're doing to, to help them out. So yeah, that's my uh, quick story and relationship with the maid business. But yeah, um, <laughs> uh, so tell me about Zenmate. Uh, how, how did the, first of all, like, what do you guys do exactly? Um, we know who you help, but uh, how did the business come about as well? Yeah, so um, I had uh, a somewhat somewhat similar similar start to what you were just just saying that um, that I started a little um, a little like agency for maids in um, in Southern California where I was living at the time. That was what eight years ago now at this point. Um, and I just um, I just stumbled across a post on Reddit from a guy that was starting his own his own maid service. He'd run like a couple of businesses before that, and he pretty much just said, you know, who wants me to essentially journal my day to day? I'm not going to actually clean any homes. I'm just going to match up cleaners and like in clients. And a friend of mine, um, saw that and started working on sort of the technical portion of it, of like the website, um, and like all of the digital marketing assets and all of that. And, um, I ended up uh, partnering with him to do a lot of like the operations and essentially the man management, client management and dealing with the cleaners and, uh, and all of that stuff. And so fast forward just over a year, um, we went our separate ways that the, uh, the maid service shut down shortly after that he ended up with it after that and, um, and decided, to um, to shut it down uh, that had been like a part-time you know side project we were both working full-time jobs and I had moved out of the area so I moved back home to um, to Palo Alto and took a job at a, at a tech company in um, in San Francisco and shortly after that one of my other friends who's a software developer, um, actually, he's not a software developer, but he taught himself Ruby to build um, to build Zenmade. He's by far the smartest person that I know. Uh, he essentially reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you know, I think that we should consider partnering on a software company together." Uh, we tried a couple of different things. We tried a couple of different um, different industries and everything. And at some point, we decided to um, you know to try focusing on maid services. I think initially we were looking at other industries because we were trying to. Find find a software that might be in like the 300 to $500 a month, uh, range. And, uh, yeah, eventually we went back to maid services. And so yes, what Zenmade actually does, sorry, that's what, that was the start of your question, but uh, what Zenmade actually does is we do all of the scheduling and a lot of the communications for maid services. So if someone has a maid service that already has, let's say three to 20, um, cleaners, so pretty like wide range there, then they're going to, need some sort of calendar system, whether that's pen and paper, Google Calendar, or a software like ZenMade, that they have to know where they have to be and when and what the details of the appointment are. So they can essentially track all of that in ZenMade. And then we take all of that information and we will uh, we will text the cleaners. We can email the cleaners. Same thing with the clients. You know, we have mobile apps for the cleaners that now have like GPS tracking. And we're very quickly working towards almost what you're used to seeing in the Uber app where you can see like where like your car is on the way is we're sort of moving towards that sort of thing where a maid service owner could essentially look at a map and can just see where their six teams are and what the status is of each of if they're in the middle of a cleaning and stuff like that. So that's like on the way in 2020. That's amazing. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, just uh, out of curiosity. So 
how many cleaners does the average client have that you work with? You know, I actually don't know that off the top of my head. I mean, our ideal range, at least for someone that's like new and signing up is going to be from like four to eight cleaners. Um, is like, that's like our perfect sort of like target audience. But I actually don't know on, on average, I'd have to ask the team about that. We, we have about, let's see, we have about a thousand paying customers and I think around eight or 9,000 active users. So just, you know, napkin math would be eight or nine cleaners on average, but I'd have to check that. Okay. Awesome. Sounds great. And, um, so you're bootstrapped. Did you bootstrap the company? Uh, yes, we're a hundred percent bootstrapped. Nice. That's awesome. Um, how did you, so you mentioned you had your, 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 one of your good friends, uh, who built Zenmade. Um, how did you build the initial app on a bootstrap budget? Like is, is your friend currently your, your partner? Like you have an equity uh, partnership with him or? Uh, yeah, well, he, he's still the owner, but he, he like acts like the owner and like the investor in like in, in the company that he's no longer involved, um, involved day to day. Um, but he still like helps us out like here and there where necessary. But, um, yes, he's, um, he, he's a coder. He knew Python at, at the time. Um, and, uh, he taught himself like Ruby on rails cause he thought that that would be like better, um, like long-term for us. And so he essentially built our prototype and we, we actually managed to sort of coast on his like MVP sort of code base for actually a couple of years. It wasn't until 2017 that we actually spent about a year, like really redoing like the product the right way from the, from the ground up and, um, releasing like a second version. Okay. Got you. Got you. But, but so initially though, there was no like cash outlay or investment you had to throw into development. It was, uh, your friend. No, yeah. The, the, the only money that came out of our pockets in the beginning was that, um, we both put in like $50 a month to just send a hundred dollars worth of AdWords traffic to our site, um, every month, just so we had consistent traffic and people to talk to while we were like building up everything behind the scenes. Amazing. And other love than it. that, it was all, yeah, all sweat equity. Love it. Love it. And, uh, I, I, I you might've mentioned this, but how long did it take to build the app? Um, we, we, we started, I think Arun started coding it in April of 2013. And I think that we brought on our first paying customer in maybe September, some, sometime around then, I think. So it it took, it took a couple of months, maybe four to six months. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome. That's great. So, um, you know, one thing I love about this business is, is just how, you know, niche down it is, you know, there's obviously a lot of general broad scheduling software apps and tools out there. You know, it's a competitive saturated market. So I like how you narrow down your market to specifically made services. Um, it's funny. I actually had someone on the podcast recently. They have a scheduling software for ice rinks. Um, you, you know, ice rinks. Yeah. It's, it's, Ah. it's pretty crazy. Like they're building a great business as well. So, So yeah, just in general, I'm a big fan of narrowing down like a tight niche, uh, because I think it helps with your, your so many different things, but specifically sales and marketing in so many ways, like helps your messaging, you know, exactly who to target. It's easy to scrape leads. If you have to sales cycles are generally shorter. So a lot of advantages. And, um, you know, I talked to a lot of early stage founders as well. And some, that's something I always recommend to them. It's just narrow down a niche, at least early on to gain some traction. 
So I'm curious to hear from you, uh, you know, let's take it back to the beginning. Like how did you gain traction early on and how did you get your earliest customers? Yeah, great question. So um, traction early on. So we, so we did start spending a hundred dollars a month at the very beginning. Um, just, just to just have some sort of traffic, right. Even if that was what, like 20 or 30 people a month that were coming to our site. Um, but I, you know, in a previous life, I did tech sales that I, I was um, doing sales in, in San Francisco and everything, um, hated it. Um, loved the company, but hated the actual like job, but that was very much my skill set. And so a big reason on a personal level for starting Zen made was that that when I tried to sort of reinvent myself as a marketer, no one would give me the time of day. And my friend essentially said, I'll bring, I'll like, I'll build you a product that you can go out and like market yourself. And so, you know, the worst case scenario was that I get some experience and have something to show if I applied to like to other, um, to like to other jobs. But, um, what we did was we did cold email and cold calling that got us essentially our first 50 customers or so. It was just me that I was on, I was in California at the time. So I would wake up at about five in the morning and just pull up a call list that like my assistant, I just had like a two, two or $3 an hour VA um, in the Philippines that would just pull information from me on Yelp. And I would wake up at five in the morning and start calling people on the East coast since it was already 8am there. And then like around 7am, I'd start calling, you know, people more towards the West coast. And then like 7:15 or 7:30, I'd be on my way, um, you know, up to San Francisco for like for, for my day job. And I pretty much did that for, I don't know, maybe six, six to eight months, a year or something like that. Um, and then, and then calls like all day, um, all day, like Saturdays, um, as well. And so that just to tiny bit more detail was just a quick like cold email to um to the the maid services um i think it was something along the lines of you know are you happy with your current scheduling solution or something like that to get like sort of the conversation started um and i think we maybe had a three or six like email sequence that would just follow up with them and then once they were receiving those emails then i would just pick up the phone and just start dialing them and it was just hey i sent you an email you know did you get it you know let's chat or or whatever. And yeah, it was very much just like straight hustle in, in the beginning. I, I don't really know how, how I did it. I would never start another company that way these days with like the resources that I have. <laughs> I love it. You know what? I'm sort of listening and it's very nostalgic to me because uh, that's pretty much how I built my company, like cold calling, uh, emailing, uh, yeah. just straight hustling, grind. Like I literally got my first 500 paying clients that way. And um, wow. I, it, it's such an, a great thing. I, I love how you, you said that as well, because I think people have to hear that. I mean, I think nowadays yeah. uh, a lot of um, early stage folks I speak to, they try and get too fancy early on when it comes yes. to sales, like jump into paids and this and that. It's like, there's nothing wrong with just going back to the basics. Like if you're, especially coming from a bootstrapper's perspective, like most cost efficient way to grow a business is definitely cold emailing and cold calling. It doesn't cost you a dime, yeah. but just a whole lot of time and sweat equity yep. and blood and tears and all that. So, um, yeah, no, I love it. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, so uh, how many, so you said you did that for about six months to a year. Um, how many clients did you pick up during that time? Would you say like a couple hundred um, or 
No, not, not even that many. I mean, it took us a long time to build up this company. So, so my, my co-founder and I, that, you know, he, he was a PhD student at Stanford university and like that was his primary focus while we were building this company. And then I was doing everything part-time. So I looked at the numbers recently and it took us, it took us over three years to go from, from zero to 10 K in recurring revenue. So that first like amount, I mean, we couldn't have had more than maybe 50 customers, I would say at the end of maybe like that, that first year. Um, so yeah, it was a really, really like slow ramp up period. Cause yeah, when, when I think about it, so that means that in 2016, I think from 2013 to 2016, we grew like less than $300 or an average of like $300 in recurring revenue, like every like month. And then from 2016 to now, like next year will be in, I think the $1.5 million like annual, uh, like range. So it's really, really taken off. But I mean, man, so many people and like, you know, we considered quitting so many times in those first like couple of years. That's massive. That's that's huge. But no, you're right. I mean, you know, business is. Uh, I think people fail to forget it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So yeah, uh, love the persistence. So fast forward to today. So you know, what what uh, what growth channels are working best for you right now? So we. So like, I'm a marketer like at heart, right? Like that's like what I wake up and think about like all day, every day. So we just do like lots of fun things because I just decide that like I want to do them and like we have the resources now, but if it really comes down to it, right? Like paid marketing is by far like, I mean, it just, it gets us that consistent lead flow of people that are interested in our specific product. So for us, that's Google AdWords um, and the review site Captera. Um, are both uh, both really really good for us, and then we retarget um, we retarget on Facebook very very um, aggressively with um, with lots of great content that we don't do like they land on our website and six months later they just see an ad for a free trial when they obviously weren't interested before. We do a lot of like of content marketing in our our retargeting funnel. Um, our organic is really really good now. Um, at this point, that was something that you know happened organically over time. Time that we've been around long enough and taken it seriously enough that Google now just recognizes most of our stuff as being, you know, superior like content um, as well as like, you know, being like the best software and everything. Uh, we do a lot of partnerships that if you check out, um, if you check out madesummit.com, we did a virtual conference, like a virtual summit that had 44 industry experts, um, that all like work with our various clients and stuff. And so for, for that, it was, I sent out like an invite to maybe 30 people, uh, on a Sunday night. And I woke up the next morning and had 23 or 24 confirmed speakers. And like that, that's more like, I, I say that not to like to brag or not because it was easy, but it's because that's the sort of relationships that we already had with these people. Right. So like most of them, you know, were really excited to work with us again and all of that stuff. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that I'm missing there. Yeah. I mean, we try to hit people from just every, like every direction, like all the time. Like my goal is that once someone hears about Zenmate as a maid service owner, that they never forget, forget our name, right? Whether they need software now or whether they're happy with their software and they're going to be looking at us in three years. Um, you know, but my goal is just follow them to the ends of the earth. As long as, you know, the, the cost per click makes sense, I guess. 
That's great. That's great. Awesome. Um, do you still do any outbound sales? Uh, no, we don't. Um, that, um, I struggled to find someone that could really take that over from me. Um, that I, once, once we got far enough along, we decided to focus a lot more on, on inbound. So most of our sales team is, is inbound and every now and again, we'll do some sort of cold email campaign, but it's, it's not like an ongoing thing. Nice. Nice. Did you share how much, like, for example, you spend on your paid marketing, like Google ads? Uh, I think we spend, I, I want to say we, we, we spend around $5,000, um, a month, I think, uh, not on Google alone. I think we're actually, no, it's probably more than that. Now we must spend at least three or four K on Facebook alone, just for, for the combination of retargeting and, and cold traffic. And then about a thousand to 1500 on Google AdWords and as high as $2,000 a month on Captera. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So pretty, uh, pretty significant budget there. That's awesome. Uh, and that just provides you consistent lead flow, like you said. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, that's great. So, so when did you say you did that, uh, virtual summit? Was it this past year? That was in July, July, August. Yeah. It was pretty recent. A couple months ago. Did you, other than like the benefit of just like, you know, building your brand awareness and like, you know, building yourself as the authority in your industry, did you find any like actual ROI with signups with the summit? Um, well, yeah, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to track, but definitely, um, that, that's so, so we, we went back and looked at the numbers and literally every single one of our funnel metrics got better within a couple weeks of the main summit that we had an increase in trial signups. Our conversion rate went up, our churn rate went down. Um, you know, tons of people that sign up now say that they signed up because they heard about us through, through the maid summit. Um, it wasn't as immediate. Um, and I think that a lot of people are, I feel like a lot of people are disillusioned when it comes to this sort of stuff that like the maid summit was a really great event and everything, but just because I'm doing a maid summit and putting out all of this great content doesn't mean that like people are all of a sudden just ready to switch, to switch their scheduling software. So I take a much longer term like view that, um, that like for, for us specifically, our software is like the single software that made services need to run their business. They may use other ones, but like we're the one that without it, like everything grinds to a halt. And so because of that, we have to be a lot more patient that um, it's not like a pop-up software, for example, that someone can just sign up for it any day and sort of, you know, just like put it there and like get some value out of it. This requires a much bigger investment from our clients to, um, to, to move over. Uh, other thing was the made some it paid for itself that we spent about $2,000 promoting it on paid ads. And then after the summit, we sold the replays and just ran a couple quick, like lightning sales, maybe like a week or two after the summit. And we made back, I think six or $7,000 on, on that. Have you ever lost a potential customer because you weren't connected to that one random platform? It's definitely happened to me. I recently came across a company called Data Automation. These folks are a must-have partner for a SaaS company. 
Instead of saying no and losing that potential customer due to a missing integration, you should reach out to the team at Data Automation. They're absolute whizzes in integrations and automations. They're Zapier certified app developers and very, very reasonably priced as well. Uh, check them out at dataautomation.com. That's dataautomation.com. Tell them Costa from FounderView sent you and they'll definitely take care of you. Nice. That's awesome. That's great. You've been seeing, I've been seeing a lot of more of these uh, virtual summits. Um, I actually spoke at one uh, recently as well. So uh, it seemed to be nice. gaining popularity. Um, what about, you mentioned content marketing. Um, how, how often are you guys putting out content? Uh, we put out a ton of content. Oh, actually that, that's the biggest thing that I forgot that we, um, God, if, if any of my customers are listening to this, they're, they're going to think, how did he not mention this? Um, <laughs> the other big thing that we have on the marketing side is we have, we, we built what was initially the biggest community of, um, of made service owners online. Now we've been overtaken by a couple, um, by like two or three groups now, but we had essentially the first like really, really popular Facebook group. And so right now that that's closing in on 5,000 of our potential customers that are all in a Facebook group together that have, you know, 20 or 30 conversations a day about all sorts of like various things. That's amazing. Um, do you manage that Facebook group yourself? Yes. Um, I have a lot of help with it now, but, um, but I, I do manage that myself that I'm still the one that's usually approving all of the posts on, you know, like, like a couple times a day or, or whatever. Um, I'm very ADD. So like, it honestly doesn't really make sense for me to pass it off to someone else because I just jump onto Facebook all the time. So now at least I have an excuse to do it. Um, and yeah, but we have a couple of people there that are, you know, that are there like around and helping people. Quite a few people on the Zenmade team are in that group, like helping people. Uh, one interesting thing, I don't know if you're going to want to dig into this or not, but one interesting thing is that I go out of my way to hire my customers. So on the Zenmade team, I think I have seven, seven made service owners now, I think. Um, and so like those guys were all like, you know, genuinely a part of our communities before we hired them. So especially now that they're on the team, like I know that any difficult question that comes into the Facebook mastermind that at least one or two people from the Zenmade team will be jumping in and like helping people and driving engagement, you know, assuming that other members aren't like, aren't helping out, but you know, it's a pretty good community. Everyone really, really helps everyone. That's awesome. Yeah. I do want to talk about, uh, hiring in a bit as well, but, uh, but no, it seems like you, you sort of figured out a, a really solid, consistent marketing stream that's providing, uh, you know, steady leads, steady sales. So that's, that's uh, all sounds great. Um, you're also fully, your team's fully remote, right? Uh, yes, we're fully remote. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the UK right now. CTO is in Madrid right now. Um, most of the team is actually settled down in one place and like working from home or working from like a co-working space or something like that. But there's four or five of us that, uh, that pretty much travel full time. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Uh, how, how big is the team? About 20. Um, it's mostly part-time um, part-time folks that, um, you know, like I said, we hire a lot of our customers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we have, we have six or seven people that on the team that run, run their own made services and then are either on our, on our sales team or on our support team. Um, 
and uh, one one's like our, our one of our executives, um, and then what four four full time, four or five full time, and and about fifteen part time. Okay, nice. So the the part timers they're they're doing sales and support usually. Um, yes, pri- primarily. And the really nice thing is that when I hire a customer they can, they can do all of the things, right? Like I don't have to train them on our product. They also, once they learn intercom, which is our support system, they can go in and, um, and, you know, and help people and answer questions, even if we've never trained them really, really like on support. And then of course, for, um, for feedback loops for our product that our, our development team has it really nice when they can just go to people inside the company and be like, Hey, do you prefer it this way or this way? And like, they get an actual customer telling them, yeah, this way makes a lot more sense. So, um, yeah, a lot of benefits there. Yeah, that's uh, super smart for sure. Um, what about like the distribution of the team? I know you mentioned, uh, you know, four or five reviews are just like traveling full time, which, uh, it's pretty amazing, but, um, where's the rest of the team, uh, distributed? So all of the customers that we've hired are all U S based, um, St. Louis, Austin, uh, Dallas, couple others, one's in Minnesota. Yeah. One's in, one's in Minnesota. Um, and then I'm trying to think who, who else there, there is. Yeah. All of the maid service owners are pretty much U S based. Um, yeah, a couple, couple in the Philippines that a lot of like our internal support staff, right. That we, we have like an internal support team where their job is to essentially, you know, try to take 80% of the work off of like, you know, the rest of the team's plate so that we can focus on, you know, our sort of like zone of genius. So a couple of those are in like the Philippines and, and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I should probably know the answer yeah. to that question better. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Nice. Any, uh, do you, do you do business with any maid services in Canada? Yes, we do. Yeah. We've got, um, all English speaking countries right now. So the primary is U S and Canada probably makes up 95% of our customers at this point, but we've got a presence in the UK. Um, we've done, um, we've done a couple meetups actually in the, in the UK when I've been here, um, visiting like the wife's family and stuff. And then, New Zealand, Australia, one in Dubai, one in India. Um, yeah, we're probably going to nice. go Spanish language like next year and try to try to take over like the Latin market and then also make it easier for people in the U S to like work with their cleaners and stuff. Um, cause you know, there's a lot, lot of like Hispanic cleaners, um, in, in various areas. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, um, so you mentioned your, Next year, was it? You're going to be hitting 1.5 in ARR? Um, yeah, right, right now we're, we're on track to break a million in ARR in April, um, between April and April and June, but April's looking, looking more likely. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that would put us in the 1.5 range by, by the end of the, of the year. Um, yeah, some, something like that. That's huge. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, so I, you know, I'd imagine, you know, it's with any SaaS business, usually churn, uh, might be a bit of a challenge in your business in particular. Like, would you, is that accurate or is your churn pretty, pretty low? Let's see. 
So ProfitWell just released a bunch of like benchmarks or whatever so that you can compare, you know, how like your SaaS is doing based on a variety of like of things. And everything that they're telling us is that our churn looks um, looks like pretty, pretty healthy, that it's below below 5% a month. Um but my my goal is is negative net churn that um I, I think that's sort of like the holy grail of SaaS product, right? Is you know, if their people are paying us a hundred thousand dollars a month today and next month they'll be like those same customers, even take into account ones that churn will be paying us, you know, a hundred and one thousand dollars a month, then like to to me that that's like really like the like you, you hit that and it just seems like you can print money. I, I know that's not true, but it, it certainly feels that way, at least as a goal. Yeah, no, more or less for sure. Uh, so, so to, to do that, so with expansion revenue, do you like, are you relying on like cleaning services, adding more cleaners and more users yes, or do you have other? That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah. January 11th of this year, we switched our pricing where before we had three feature based prices and now we include, um, all features for all customers. And the only thing that matters is the number of cleaners that they have in the, um, in the account. Uh, that's part of the reason that we actually did the main summit was because the main summit, um, we like, we did the math on it, you know, and if it helped, if it helped like one out of 10 of our customers to add a single cleaner to their company, then just by running the maid summit and providing that educational content, you know, we would have bumped up by five to $10,000 in, in recurring, like recurring revenue. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, I know there's no like secret bullet that solves churn, you know, that's a fact, but there's definitely things I think can help mitigate it in some ways. Um, I, I know you're, you're going after the net negative churn, which, uh, again is the Holy grail for sure. But any other strategies or things that you guys do at Zenmate to help with churn at all? Yeah. Um, I actually, I did, I did a video on, on YouTube about this, um, about this recently, I found a, a really great tool called raft.io, R-A-A-F-T.io. Um, they're not paying me to, uh, to say anything on this. Um, but, um, they essentially have like an exit flow software that you can plug in for when people are canceling their accounts. And it does, a nice job of getting a little bit more targeted feedback from the customers. So, you know, like why they're leaving and, you know, can begin like addressing like those issues. So like just having any sort of exit interview is going to help like a lot. Um, you know, obviously that's too late to save like, you know, that actual customer, maybe it's not, but, um, that'll help a lot in the long run to figure out, you know, why people are actually leaving. But then that tool is really cool because based on what they tell you on the feedback, the tool can automatically offer them a couple of different options. So like if, for example, they, they click a button that says, Oh, like I'm canceling because it was too difficult to set up. We can, make them a quick offer that they can take advantage of in one click of, you know, how about we give you a call for like a one hour one-on-one. -on -one, and if it's not right for you after that, then we'll cancel your account like on the call. Or someone says that it's too expensive for me right now, we can offer them like a 50% discount coupon for three months. Um, and so that's something that since we did that, 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 that lowered our, um, our customer churn uh, a little bit and has helped us to, to retain some, some people 
people. And then the other thing is just the community that we have is just being able to actually talk to our users and to get so much like feedback and to just plug into like the conversations that people are actually having both about their businesses, you know, for like content or whatever, but then also about their struggles with scheduling and with the software um, that like our, our mastermind on, on Facebook is just an absolute gold mine um, of information uh, for like things we need to take action on to lower that churn rate. That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that. I've never, uh, never heard of raft IO. I'll definitely check it out. Uh, so, so when, when clients want to cancel, uh, do they have to like cancel through like within their app or can they call you to cancel or what's your process? There? Um, yeah, they can, they can do whichever they can just contact the support team or they can, or they can go into their like account billing section, cancel their billing. Um, we try to get them to do it through, um, through the actual app rather than contacting our support team. Cause it, it just leaves like a better like paper trail and it's easier for, for, for us that way. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we don't, we don't make that process, uh, like, like difficult for them or whatever. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to, uh, that's what I was wondering. So if someone calls to cancel, they're not, your, your support team's not putting them through raft IO. They're just canceling them on the phone type of deal. Yeah. We actually don't even provide phone support, so they can't, they, oh, they couldn't okay. even call and do that. They, they would just have to drop us an email or not that we don't provide phone support. There's no phone number they can call into. They can send us an email with details on their problem and ask for a call back. And we're happy to, um, to, to do that. Um, but we, we don't have a phone number that they can, that they can just call and like grab a support person's like time for 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah, no, for sure. Smart. Yeah. We, we do the same. Um, so I'm always curious to hear uh, from from other remote founders specifically, uh, and you touched upon it briefly. But you know, what does your hiring strategy look like, and, and sort of what do you look for when hiring remotely? Yeah. So the big thing when hiring remotely. So I mean, my, my first my first thing for just for everyone is just like growth mindset. That I just don't hire people that don't have that growth mindset that aren't striving, you know, for more like in their own lives. Um, and in like their position with us and for like, for, for the company. Um, but like I, to my knowledge, I don't think that I've ever hired anyone that wasn't working remotely previously that I, I could not imagine hiring someone that was coming from an office job and had never done that before that, you know, I'm sure there's other companies that might be good, you know, to start with there, but I would not want to, um, to, to deal with that. Um, you know, just because it takes some time to get those habits in place and all of, all of that. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing that I look for is really like the lifestyle fit that most of our people are part-time. There's only a couple of full-time, like I'm not usually looking to hire someone full-time. And so finding like the lifestyle fit where it's like very clear that like, okay, like this job will fit into your life and be part of what sort of makes you happy or fulfilled. If like, if I can't really identify that for like, for the person, then I'm much less likely to hire them. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And, you know, you're right. I, I like how, you know, the first thing you said is like, you got to have a remote experience. Like, I don't know about you and I, when we hire remotely, um, you, you get a ton of applicants, I feel just cause it's a remote job. And I think a lot of yes. people have this fairy tale image of what remote work is, you know, like lying on a beach and, you know, going you know, like fancy coffee shops every day, which, which you can, but like, it's not the most realistic or you have to be pretty like self-disciplined, self-motivated, uh, so there's a lot of like characteristics that you need to to make remote work successful. 
So yeah, I think that's definitely key. Um, what are what are some things like you do with your team to build and maintain that cohesiveness uh, amongst each other and just maintain the the lifestyle, like you said, and the culture? Yeah, that's a good good question. Um, so I'm I'm very very extroverted. So I didn't really struggle with that in the beginning. That I'm legitimately friends with you know with with most of like of the ZenMade employees. Uh, I think. I think six six members from my team. I think we're at we're at my wedding, um, and and my wedding was only like sixty people or something. So we've got really close relationships um, with those guys. And then I think as we've grown, I think that that's like really. I think the rest of the team has sort of like taken that on that, that most of like the, the executives, like the, the, you know, the head of sales and like all of that stuff, like they're all pretty good friends with the people that are on, like on their team. Um, let's see. Lost my train of thought. Yeah, no what was the question one more time. Sorry. <laughs> maintaining uh, cohesiveness and yeah, culture maintaining. The team. Yeah. So so yeah. So so we obviously like joke around like quite a bit um, in in Slack. You know, we've got like the random channel and all of that. You know, everyone's friends with each other on like on Facebook, and we're all part of a lot of the same like Facebook groups. So I think that everyone has like a really real sort of perspective on like, you know, other people and like what they're doing within the team, even though we're not like physically together. Um, I know, you know, a ton about what's going on and like in the team's lives and, you know, most of them are following me on Facebook and seeing where I'm traveling to and like, and all of that. Um, and then, uh, the other thing is that we do sync up, we do sync up annually that we, that we go to the annual industry conference and we do our team retreat before or after that. This year, we actually had to do it during the actual conference. We didn't really like attend, but we were, um, we're like sort of, um, sort of there. Uh, and then the last thing is that because my wife and I travel, you know, year round, I think we've done 13, 14 countries or something this year. Um, we will usually try to meet up with ZenMade team members when we're in their area of the world. And so we usually get to get quite a bit of FaceTime with quite a few of, of like our, our employees or whatever, um, you know, even outside of that, um, of that like retreats. So, like I see my CTO at least three times a year. I see my COO probably three, three to four times a year. Um, and then sporadically we'll see other team members. That's great. That's great. Love it. Love it. So, um, switching gears a little bit, you know, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, about the net negative churn as, as a goal uh, for you. Are there any specific metrics other than that one that you're trying to work on or improve at the moment? Uh, I mean, everything in the marketing funnel always. Um, but the, the other, the, the other thing that we're trying to do, so I have, um, it's another one that I've done like a YouTube video on, but like, I'm like just starting out on there and like, you know, not a good video editor. I don't think I really verbalized this one well, but we'll try to verbalize it again here is so like, to me, there's sort of two Holy grails of SAS, right? There's like the Holy grail of product and there's the holy grail of marketing and so on the holy grail of product if we can get to the negative net churn then we can completely stop marketing and we'll continue to grow at a slow like rate but you know if you're not growing you're dying and i'd rather be you know growing slowly than dying so like that that's like the main thing but on the marketing side what i've been messing around with and trying to figure out is i'm trying to figure out how to do what ClickFunnels has managed to achieve and Russell Brunson has managed to achieve at ClickFunnels. And so if you're not familiar with, with that, I'm sure you're familiar with those guys, but essentially 
the economics for them is that they pay approximately $20 for every lead that they get for ClickFunnels. But before any of their leads even see the ClickFunnels software, they'll already make $40 on them. So they essentially have a profitable info product funnel that's making them money before people even see the software. And so that's what ZenMade's trying to achieve right now. So we have like, you know, a, a little bit of that um, in place. And right now, I think it covers maybe 25% of our ad spend, right? So we spend $4,000, we get $1,000 back from a couple of info products that we introduce people on our email list to. And so that, that's like the other holy grail that, that we're going for, that you know, if this time next year, I can put in a dollar and get a dollar back before someone signs up for the recurring membership, and the recurring membership current customers make us more money, then, you know, that, that's how I see us going from, you know, a million in annual recurring to 10 million. And that's something that I didn't think was possible a couple of years ago. So are you, just to unpack that a little bit. So, yeah. you know, bringing someone into the funnel before they see the software, you're selling them some sort of information package. Yeah, so it's essentially a lot of people will join our email list through our lead magnets. Um, and so we've set it up so that all of our lead magnets now, uh, the thank you page gives them a one-time offer on a $27 like info product. Um, and so we're beginning to build that out. But just by doing that, we make back about a quarter of our ad spend uh, before those leads even get nurtured by our email sequence and see the software. Very smart. And what kind of um, like content are you selling them? Like videos or eBooks? Or? Uh, we have uh, the one. The one that we're selling now is so the two things that we sell right now. One is like nine templates. So it's like. Um, like a customer authorization form and a couple of other basic sort of forms that someone that looking at that, that maybe is newer to business may not, um, may not like already have, um, have like in, in place. Uh, and the idea there is just, they can take it and immediately get value of it. They don't actually have to consume it. Um, and then the other one is the maid summit. So that we we talked about a second ago that we have a $67 plan and a $97, um, like plan, um, one-off payments for, um, for, for the summit. And so th those are the two right now that we're, um, we're like promoting. Very smart. Very smart. Love it. Um, so this is a question I ask all CEOs and I think it's a very difficult question to answer for most people, but you know, since a lot of times, you know, you're wearing multiple hats in your business, but what does a, a typical day look like for you as CEO of Zenmade? Like, you know, where does your most of your attention gravitate towards? Yeah. So my attention goes towards marketing. Um, I mean, typical day for me, it's, that's, that's a hard one to answer be, because my routine changes constantly. Um, just from, from like from changing locations, but I tend to get most of my like good, like deep focused work done before, before like 11 AM. And, um, and that doesn't really matter what time I wake up, which I think is kind of interesting that if I wake up at five in the morning, then I'm going to have a really productive day. Cause I'll work from five until 11. But if I wake up at nine, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not really going to have like all that much like time or energy, um, to like to get stuff done. Uh, yeah, usually like work out or nap in the afternoon and then usually get back to it in the evening for like a, for like a work session until like my wife threatens to divorce me if I don't like stop. Um, 
And yeah, but, but the, the main thing right now is so, so essentially for Zenmade right now, I'm to the point where I'm essentially just the decision maker that I can run the business entirely off of my phone by just, by just making decisions uh, based on what the team is like, is asking me um, or like needs to figure out and just sort of reviewing, um, reviewing their work. And the only exception for that is on the marketing side. And that's by choice. So like most of the time when I wake up in the mornings, I'm working on marketing campaigns that I enjoy, um, that, you know, that I feel very fulfilled by. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's primarily where my attention goes, but we, we have a decent sized marketing team that like our, our marketing team is now like quite a few people on the content creation side. And we've got a couple like specialized consultants and all of that, but I, I'm still sort of the creative force, like be behind it. Like most of our campaign are, most of our campaigns are like my ideas. Nice, nice. No, awesome stuff. That's great. Um, you mentioned uh, Raft.io. Do you have any other favorite tools or apps you or your team uses to help stay productive or inefficient or provide other value? Huh. I mean, I feel like it's like all like the normal ones. I'm trying to think there's, if there's any ones like Raft that people wouldn't have heard of. I don't know about, about that, but I mean, Slack, active campaign. I have a I have a real like love hate relationship with Intercom that it's like uh, one of those ones where like where like I don't like you but God damn it I respect you you know like one of one of those <laughs> I, where I you know you. they just they, they keep tripling our pricing and I'm just like you know I'll pay whatever you ask me to pay because it's so deeply integrated into my company but God like this is really annoying <laughs> um, yeah. let's see yeah I don't know if there's if there's much much else like other than other than that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Awesome. Um, and like last question really is like, you know, where do you see, uh, where do you want to see Zenmade in the next two years? Next two years. So yeah, that's a great question. So I think that we're already kind of the leading software for made services that's, um, that's out there. Um, there's, there's a couple that are, that are cleaning, um, like that, that are made service specific and most of them are not, they're, they're not being updated. Like the people that are behind them are not treating like the, the business, the way, the way that we're treating, like treating our business. Uh, so most of our competition right now is coming from more general competitors, right? Competitors that work with, house cleaners and lawn care professionals and electricians and like, and all of that stuff. So I think continuing to sort of be like the de facto, like go to in the industry, um, it's sort of weird coming from like the bootstrapped angle, but we're now finally in, in like a place to actually innovate that we're beginning to actually work on features that our customers aren't even asking for or other people haven't thought of and, uh, and stuff like that. And so I'm actually really excited about that, about just continuing to like truly innovate on, um, you know, on like, or truly innovate for the industry, right? Not just like our software, but like, you know, we're genuinely making a difference in, in people's lives. And that's a, that's a really, you know, nice, um, nice feeling. And then just revenue wise, I mean, it, you know, I was telling you earlier, it took us forever to go from zero to 10 K, um, a month, but we're, we're doubling year over year at this point. And so, um, you know, in two years, I, I would hope that we're in like the 3 million, um, ARR mark, right. So somewhere around what, what is that? 200,000, $230,000 a month, um, in terms of like financial goals. All right, that's incredible. That's awesome. I have no doubt you'll get there. Um, 
But uh, Amar, I do want to be mindful of your time. Uh, we are cutting it a bit short, but I do end off each chat with what I call the founders three. You ready? Okay, let's do it. All right, number one, your favorite business book. Favorite business book. Or any book, I mean. Yeah, I, okay, I'll, I'll give three because I, I can't pick between these three. So the four-hour work week for like mindset and all of that stuff. Uh, Principles by Ray Dalio is just an amazing book, like, for a ton of different reasons. Um, and then the other one that people may not have read or heard of is the ultimate sales machine by Chet Holmes. Um, and that's something, I mean, that must've been written back in like the eighties or nineties and you listen to it and it's like just as applicable from the examples that he was giving then, you know, as like today, it's just the difference between him saying, Oh, like walk into a room and give a presentation versus like deliver a webinar. But like all of like the core principles and everything, um, is like all there that that's quite like popular now. So yeah, probably those three. Nice. Great recommendations. Oh, actually, oh, yeah. sorry. One more, one more. I have to give one more. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the fish that ate the whale. That's, that's the one, the fish that ate the whale. It's the rise of America's banana King. So that's an actual story, not a story. It's a, it's a biography of this dude. It's an immigrant, I think from Russia that like started selling bananas out of the back of like a train car and went from that to taking over the biggest fruit conglomerate conglomerate in the world over like a 50 or 60 year period. And for like any entrepreneur, it is like the most epic like tale, like just the stuff the guy does to, to like make everything happen is just like unreal. That's awesome. I heard of that one. I'm definitely going to uh, uh, put it on top of my list. Uh, sounds interesting. Um, number two. Yeah. And this is, uh, I'm curious to hear your, uh, your response to this one. Who's someone who's been around everywhere, but your favorite vacation spot. Oh, favorite vacation spot. Oh man. That's a, that's a difficult one. Um, oof. probably Copangan in, uh, in, in Thailand. It's a little, um, little Island in the South of, um, of, of Thailand. That's, um, that's awesome. Uh, people may have heard of it cause it's, it's really famous for the, the full moon party. It's like where the original, yeah. original full moon party, um, was, but, um, that's one side of the Island that's all party. And then the, um, the, uh, the other side of the Island is actually a lot, a lot quieter. And so you can get like both sides, you can go party or you can like just have a really nice time on the beach there. So I'm planning on taking my wife there sometime in the next couple of months. Nice. I was just going to ask you like, where are you jet setting to next? So is that the next destination for you? Uh, let's see. Next one is Mexico. We're in the UK right now. We go to Mexico in early January for a friend's wedding. And then we're thinking about doing Central and South America for Q1, Q2 of next year. Amazing. That's great. And um, lastly, if you can go back, what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business? Oh, let's see. Well, okay. I think I figured this out decently quickly, but I think it was to stay consistent that I think that too many people, particularly if they're just trying to get started, they try to do everything in sprints and then get discouraged too easily. And as soon as I just started saying, okay, like 
all that I have to do every day is just send 10 cold emails and pick up the phone like five times. And as long as I do that, then like, we're going to reach our goals, like eventually. And like, you know, if I do way more than that, then awesome. But like, just do like this bare minimum and just keep it consistent. That that's, I think what I needed in the beginning. I was way too start and stop until I, until I like really got into this with Zenmade. Yeah, totally agree. Consistency is pretty much key with, with absolutely anything you do. So that's a great parting words of wisdom. Um, but Amar, you know, I, uh, just thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. You, you built a, a really solid business. Love what you're doing, the lifestyle you created for yourself. Uh, you should be extremely proud of what you've accomplished so far. So continued success to you. And, um, yeah, I really hope, uh, we can do this again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. I'd, I'd love to love to chat again. It's been fun. How about this? Uh, when, when you cross 3 million ARR, we'll hop on another call. Yeah, perfect. I'll make a note of it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Omar. Thanks so much, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.